When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Peak to Pit. I'm Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittenger. We are talking NFL because the Super Bowl is two weeks away and our team is going, TJ. I hate the two-week break. I don't know if you remember in 2002, they used to play the Pro Bowl after the Super Bowl, so you didn't get that week in the middle. Uh, the two-week break sucks. Now, it's kind of good for the Bucks because they get some guys back and there's right. some guys that are going to be a little more healthy, but... It may be good for those guys, but it's not good for my stress levels. So uh, I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs. I liked it back then. I, you know, I liked the just play the next week. But I yeah, hate no, it's- Pro Bowl being before the Super Bowl because I want the people in the Super Bowl to have the opportunity to play in the Pro Bowl. You know, this is a topic for a different day, and the Pro Bowl has been canceled this year yeah. anyway. But like the Pro Bowl needs to change Revamp. their format. Um, thousand percent hockey has done it where they play the little three on three tournaments and a team goes on and wins it's like by division right basketball has has gotten creative they they did the cool thing for uh for kobe last year uh, which was neat but they've kind of revamped how they do the all-star game um football needs to figure something out because like i watched the i, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. i went to the Pro Bowl last year and uh, while we're on the subject it's you know obviously been one year since kobe passed so uh, today was kind of a weird day, but I, and I went to the Pro Bowl last year and whether Kobe passed or not, while we were sitting at the tailgate, I wasn't even going into it. Like the Pro Bowl is so bad. So we've no, been the last few years outside awful. of last year. And I, um, well, the one um, year I go, yeah, we did not go out. La- well, I had What'd new babies. babies. Yes. Oh, I had, They'd love uh, that. very tiny babies. I was, uh, so we went the, the previous year and, it was pouring rain, first of all, which was not that fun. But um, former players get tickets. So like through the NFL PA. So we went. We, it was in a box, which was fun. Lots of food. The atmosphere around it I thought was fun. What you're watching on the field is pathetic, though. I mean, even more pathetic when it's raining because they don't even want to walk on that grass. 
uh, let alone, you know, run or anything else. But it's just, it's kind of a joke. And so if it's going to be run like that, then you might as well just make it something else so that it's fun to watch because it's really not fun to watch guys not want to do anything because they're afraid that they're going to, you know, tear an ACL, which I get legitimate fear, right? But it's, it's not fun for the fans. Yeah. Nobody really tackles anybody. They just kind of wrap up and call it a day. Like, and I remember like back in the day, man, like they used to lay hit. Like I remember Sean Taylor, like laying guys out in the, in the pro bowl. And not that I necessarily want to see like John Lynch type, speaking of super bowl, John Lynch type hits, you know, or Derek Brooks type hits. I don't care about that in the pro bowl. Cause again, I don't want anybody to get, but just like show a little bit of effort, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't make John Lynch type hits in regular season games anymore cool. without getting fined and thrown out and right. you know, maybe arrested. But um. Yeah, no, the Pro Bowl is so bad. But back to back to the Super Bowl, it's super exciting. You know, the Bucks have won two consecutive games as underdogs, and I think they can still Three improve I, on the road. Yeah, I think that I think that as as good as they've looked, I think that they can still improve, and so maybe that's a good thing for the extra week. I think they need to improve, um, because. You know, New Orleans is a good team. Green Bay is a good team, but Kansas City is just on another level right now. They really have been for like the last three years. And and Mahomes is it's a true passing of the guard, right? Like Brady is the the ultimate QB, has been for three decades now, uh, or spanned across three decades. And and Mahomes is clearly looking like kind of the future of the NFL. And so yeah. it's cool to see him again, maybe one last time. Who knows? Maybe one more time next year too. Uh, but. I think the Bucks need to really, really early thoughts. We'll talk about it again before the game next week. But I think the Bucks need to improve a little bit more, get a little bit better. But I mean, hey, you made it. You know, like uh, they could, they could just as easily win as as much as well. Maybe not as much as Casey, but like it, it's kind of anybody's game. So we'll see. Uh, Sunday was exciting. Up by a lot. Nearly found a way in true Tampa Bay fashion to blow the game <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Uh, but held on and shout out the defense. We uh, we had three straight turnovers in a row. I really wouldn't have picked Tom Brady to throw sh- three straight interceptions, uh, but shout out the defense who stepped up and didn't let Rodgers and Green Bay move the ball at all, and uh, the Bucks held on. So I'm already nervous. I, that's why I'm just kind of rambling at this point. But, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for next Sunday. We're going to Disney uh, on the 6th, the day before, uh, be kind of the first time Elena kind of remembers going. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of fun, but it'll help take my mind off of the yeah. <laughs> off of the game. I'll just be sitting around on Saturday like twiddling my thumb. So I'm excited for next weekend. It should be a lot of fun both days. Yeah. I I mean, well, first of all, you know, first time you remember Disney is huge. Uh, you know, I'm a Disney girl, but I, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I it almost feels like Tampa's a little bit of a team of destiny, which I don't um usually buy into that junk, but I think it's really cool that it'll be the very first time that a home team is really a home team. Um, I think that it's pretty freaking cool that like I was looking back at tweets that people were retweeting from Brady from last year where he's saying like, um, they're different people teasing him about being old and whatever else. And he said, come talk to me in January, basically implying that he would be here and here he is. And, um, I, you know, I kind of really enjoy the calling your own shot kind of thing, but the bucks are good. Do we know if they're getting Antonio Brown back? 
supposedly he is supposed to play. Like okay. that's what they're saying as far as today goes. Okay. Well, that's um, big. And obviously if they get, um, they were down what two starting safeties by the end of the game. Uh, yeah. Antoine Winfield, the rookie should be back as well. Um, and I don't Kansas know. City's just really good. They're really damn good. So it will be, it is, it's going to be a feat for Tampa to beat them. I just, it feels, um, I don't know. It feels like this is their time. I don't know if you remembered or if you were even a Bucks fan um, when the Bucks were in it. When uh, God, you probably weren't Get even in high school. Here. I was yeah. in high school. Well, I was in middle school, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that, I would say that. Do you remember like, like what that felt like? I felt like that energy yes. is similar to this energy, and yeah, which I remember gives me all the feels. I I felt more confident then, probably because I was like a twelve year old right, sure. optimist, as opposed to like you know this thirty year old pessimist that right you know the world is falling every time something happens but i uh yeah i felt more confident then i, I liked the way and these are kind of like early thoughts we'll talk about it more as the yeah. game is closer but i liked the way the bucks were playing then more than i like how the bucks are playing now um and the bucks are winning but i think they're making a lot of mistakes that Fortunately, the other teams are not capitalizing, capitalizing on. on. Well, hence the all for, the interceptions and such. On yeah, for example, the the Packers threw uh, the Packers turned the ball over twice, and the Bucks scored fourteen points off of that. Uh, so score went two for two on it. The game before, the Saints turned it over four times, but three times, and the Bucks scored three times off of it. The fourth time, the Bucks just kneeled it at the end, so they didn't have to go score. But um, so the Bucks have scored 21 and then 14 off of turnovers, which is good. They're they're capitalizing when they need to. But the Bucks turned the ball over three times on Sunday and Green Bay only scored once. And so like eventually that evens out. Right. And maybe it doesn't even out until next year. Right. Like maybe we continue to kind of be lucky in that. But it's just like we need to improve in some areas or I'm worried you, you can't throw, you can't give Patrick Wilhelms three extra possessions, right? You can't expect to go in as an underdog to the best player in the league and give him extra time and give him extra possessions and give him extra chances. And so that's where I, you know, what kind of worries me if the bucks can play a clean game and I mean, you're going to have mistakes. You're gonna have turnovers. If we throw one interception or have one fumble, you know, I expect Kansas City to turn the ball over once or twice. Like mistakes happen, right? But you can't have like three in a row in the fourth quarter. Right. That's that's detrimental, right? Like that's Patrick Mahomes will beat you if you do that. So um anyway, I, I'm I'm nervous about it. I don't think we're gonna get blown out or anything. I think Kansas City's the better team. Yeah. I mean, they're they're favored. They've been better all Only year. Only three though, as of right now, right? That really that has that kind of surprised me, but me too. Like I I, I I thought it'd be like five or six, right? Like I, I, you know, but they're leaving it at three. It hasn't been bet too much one way or the other. Um, so I don't know. The teams played earlier in the year and Kansas city got up really big 21 to six ended up winning the game a lot closer. Uh, what was it? 20 27, 24, 28, 27, something really close. Kansas city kind of let off the gas. I, I can't imagine they let off the gas in the super bowl. Um, so needless to say, can't go down big early, right? Like you go down 21, six in the Super Bowl, uh, you're done, right? Like we're just not built to, to be able to stop teams over and over and over again, like Kansas city. So, so we'll see. I think we need to start fast. I need 
need to take care of the ball, have to, um, you know, have a couple breaks go our way. Had some breaks go our way on Sunday, and ultimately that kind of helped out. So it'll be interesting once we get to next week and we can see who all's available, who's not available, know kind of what that impact is, and then kind of be able to break down the game. But I'm excited. I'd rather be here than, you know, on our couch at home, right? So, Heck yeah. Uh, quite a year capped off. Really, I, I obviously don't. I'm not here for the moral victories, but one way or the other, quite a year for the for the Tampa Bay area. Uh, for heck the yeah, Lightning to win the Stanley Cup, for the Rays to make the World Series and make a Game Six. You know, made it interesting. Won a couple games in there, and uh, really had a chance in Game Six as well. And then for the Bucks to make the Super Bowl, pretty impressive. You know, there have been years that Boston did did kind of crazy things like this, um, but nothing where like all three teams did it at once. So really impressive there. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's really cool, very impressive. I don't know that – can you think of another city that's had a similar thing as of recently? I mean, I guess what Boston has has probably the closest, right? Yeah, did Boston won the um, NBA championship in 2008. I want to say the Red Sox won it in 2007, so just the year before. Yeah, they did Um, because I was a freshman in college. um, Oh, wait, so I wasn't a freshman in college in 2007. (laughs) Never mind. I was a freshman in college in 2003. The Patriots had won it. Again, you're not all the same year, but the Patriots yeah. had won it just two years earlier as well in 2005. So you're, you're talking about you know getting getting pretty close there. And then the Bruins won the Stanley Cup in uh, 2011. So like within a four year period, your team has won it. You know your team in that region, which you know it's cool that they have four teams that, but nothing in the same year like this. Like obviously the Lakers and Dodgers both won um, this year, and so that's that's impressive. I don't know what's if the Bucks win, I think they'll take over what's being more impressive. But um, you know, to have all three teams go, I mean, is really impressive. And then you know not Tampa related, but then to have the Lakers win on top of that too, really have all of your teams kind of win or make the championship within six months is, yeah. it's, it's been a cool sports run. It, it definitely makes it up for been. how terrible my how, football what a team horrible is. year. The only thing that stinks is that like, we aren't getting to celebrate the way that we should when our town wins. Um, but I guess at least they're winning. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, the, the, um, Remember when the Bucks won before they moved Gasparilla back? Yeah, Um, we went we went down on Dale Mabry and went to the parade. I mean, the Lightning's boat parade was cool, and I'm sure the Bucks will do something Something, for sure. It just won't be the um, what it could be be without as big. But uh, the Bucks will definitely do something. So it does stink that it's this year. Although at this point in my life, like it's not like I'd be going any. I mean, I'm not going to be going either way, (laughs) but I still think it's um, cool. But. Yeah, no, really cool year uh, for the Tampa Bay area in general. Um, speaking of NFL, we'll tie this back into college real quick. Uh, did you know that <laughs> the rich just absolutely get richer? 
the Alabama Crimson Tide have three NFL former NFL coaches on their staff right now? No, like, they have three former NFL head coaches. They have yeah. other coaches that also coached in the NFL on their how, roster outside of those three. Yeah, yeah. How insane. I mean, like, we always think about how they get the I've never this thought is about how like, they Alabama. get the best recruits. It is their recruiting tactic. You say yeah, we have for- connections with every single person in the NFL. You've got, I've got three former head coaches in this very room. We pick up the phone and go to bat for you, and they're going to listen. And that's exactly what they will spin to them. We know what scouts look for because they worked for us at one point. We we know every person in that fraternity. And if you want in, you want to play ball here. Yeah. No, it's insane. Crazy. Um, what they are doing and <laughs> we think about them pulling in the five-star uh players but for and i've never i mean he's always pulled in good coaches right like I, i'm and not saying he's not young un like names right like come here them out into come here coach. and yeah this is your chance at a second shot right oh, like we didn't know who jimbo was head but, coaches right like he trained Jimbo and he trained Kirby and he trained this guy and he tra- like we get it right, but now the fact that he's calling like former NFL coach to come coach offensive line. Hey Bill line. O'Brien, you want to be my O coordinator? Right. Okay, Marone, you're in for O line. Great. I yeah. mean the head coach of the Jags last season. For the last, yeah, not like a one-year no. you know, like filling. And, like and it's also not coach. like it was somebody that was head coach 10 years ago and then got fired and bounced around and then ended up there. Head coaches like a month ago. So you told me this off air, but uh sounds like you guys have already put money down on Bama to repeat. <laughs> yeah, because, uh yeah, because it's the most likely scenario, right? And I feel that yeah. even more confident after I see all of these hires that they've made in the offseason. And it is wild to me that it's not talked about more because who else in college football could do that but Nick Saban? Nobody. Um, nobody. Nobody. Yeah, not close. And I mean, for a program that is already so much more fine-tuned than anybody else, so much more of a machine, <laughs> it, it is the rich just getting richer. It's It's kind of mind-blowing honestly um suffice to say that you will not be picking florida when alabama comes to the swamp next year i mean hey listen i want to see what we look like i don't like picking <laughs> against the gators but i also don't like picking against saving i just think it's i mean it is just wild to me the the hires i wish i could follow saving around for a day and just pick his brain because it is and the guy must have balls of steel right how do you even like have the gall to go after coaches like this. Like I, I can you imagine what guts it takes to pick up the phone and be like, Hey Bill. Yeah. Sorry. You got canned from the Texans. Uh, you, you want to come uh, work for me? If you're Bill O'Brien or Doug Marone, would you rather be a head coach of a crappy program? That's going to go six and six have crate. Or would you rather just go put in your time in Alabama? I think I'm and more then surprised a- that they went back to college at all. Yeah, that's a good point. But like, if you don't have a spot like, in the NFL, if, if like, you were an NFL head coach, there is an assistant spot for you somewhere in the NFL. It is. I I find it hard to believe you can go from being an NFL head coach to the next year be unemployable as a position coach. That just, I, I mean, if you're going to take the O coordinator job at college, you tell. I mean, O line coach at college, are you telling me there's not an O line coach in the NFL 
a job available. He, both of these guys are hireable in the NFL. Neither one of them had such a horrific stint that made them untouchable. Right. Is the, here's, I know it's better in the NFL, but like, is the Alabama OC job for two years better than the Bengals OC job for two years because of where it could lead you? Like I mean, it, it is maybe. better. I mean, everything Saban touches better. is gold, right? His guys go better. on. It's not better in the moment, right? Like it pays more to go to Kansas City. But if you go there and your team sucks because they're Kansas City or not Kansas City, Cincinnati, why don't you just go to Bama? Yeah, I mean, I think it also kind of depends on go the- somewhere else. It kind of depends on the personality too. Like I, I don't know exactly what their contracts were. I'm sure that they're making comparable money to what they're making in the NFL because Bama pays their coaches. So I don't know that that's really a factor. But when you are coming to college, you are taking on a ton more work than you are in the NFL. And the NFL, they they are only keeping you for you know whatever their set number of hours a day. Your off season is very defined. You have a lot of free time. You're not babysitting these players like you are in college. You don't have to recruit. I mean, it is. And also with O-line in particular, when you're in high school, most high school programs literally put their biggest, fattest guys on O-line. Very few high schools teach real technique. It is purely about size. That's why recruiting for O-line is so difficult in college. And it's why you really just need to really oversign because lots aren't going to pan out. But that makes the O-line coach's job one of the hardest in college football because you are taking guys who don't actually have any knowledge or technique about the position that they play. And then you're molding them into players that can actually play at a college level, which is different than pretty much any other position group. Right. So, I mean, not only are you coming to that to now recruit and babysit these players and have less of an off season and worry about grades and whatever else, but you're actually teaching them how to play this position. And by the time they get to the pros, they're the best of the best at it. Right. So your your coaching job isn't all that difficult when you're talking about O-line. Yeah, imagine the like you said, the power in recruiting or the power in those visits. You know, oh, it's huge. NFL I mean, coaches. I totally understand. Not- Even if they're not the best coaches, it makes perfect sense from a recruiting yeah. standpoint to hire them. Not that they need of- the help in no, recruiting, not, not right? Like this isn't like th- this isn't like you know Florida State who finishes thirtieth in recruiting and gets an NFL coach and they can be like, wow, wow, we look at this, right. look what we brought in. Right. It's already Alabama. <laughs> like It's already the place that everyone wants to go. It's already the place that turns away four stars. And it's already the guys that process high, high fours and low right. five stars. Like it's already right. insane. The rich get richer. I mean, uh, it's hard it's- because you only have so many scholarships you can sign. <laughs> They're already signing the best of the best. So I don't, I mean, Saban's the king at figuring out black shirts and things like that. But I mean, I don't even know how much better you can get at recruiting because you're already that good. Who do you, who, who else do you land that you weren't going to? I mean, it's just, Alabama is mind blowing at the 30 for 30 that's going to come out on Saban and just what a college football genius he is, is going to be incredible. Yeah, he is. He will, we'll have a, a coach ranking show one day, but I'm really interested to see like, how does, so if you put a lineup of like Nick Saban and John Wooden and Phil Jackson and, um, 
just whoever else, Coach K, like these guys, like then how do you rank them? I mean, he's got to I mean, be the I guess top. that would be like, hard, but Nick Saban you know, has. Like, he's so much further ahead. Who's the second best coach in college football? I mean, I guess Dabo. I guess that's right now has easy. to be Dabo. Yeah. So like he's kind of an easy one for a second. Who's the third best coach in college football? Um, it's a great question. I mean, I, I guess at the moment I would probably say Ryan day. Um, but I don't know that we really even know that. And, and I do yeah. think he took Jim, over a I program think, that was already, uh, you know, moving and grooving, but yeah, not, I don't not know. Hard I, to win with, you maybe look I, at Jimbo, some of the coaches that have done more Jimbo with less. Would, yeah, Jimbo, I think, would be You know, in there. that's he funny that you say that because I had a conversation with my aunt about Jimbo Fisher, who is um, the sports psychologist for, well, I guess maybe I'll leave some of these details out and I'll tell you afterwards. Um, but she thinks he's, he's he's an idiot and that he is not a good coach at all, And um, which I thought was interesting because I just heard you in the back of my head talking about what a great coach he is. But she has worked with um, college football coaches across the country and worked at him with him at one of his previous spots and thinks that he's terrible. <laughs> so well, the, I thought that the was proof amusing. Is, uh, and she probably has her reasons for that. The proof is ultimately in the pudding on that. Um, built Florida State to be an absolute force. And then you can say what you want about him leaving them, however. Um, but absolutely built Florida State into a power and – you know, ran off 29 straight games, went seven and one against the SEC, had Heisman Trophy winners and guys drafted. And so I, I, it's tough for me to not think he's a good coach from that. And then he goes to Texas A&M and takes over a seven and six team, immediately goes nine and four. The next year goes eight and five with losses to number one, Clemson, so- number one, Bama, number two, LSU, number four, Georgia, and number eight, Auburn. Won all the rest of their games. And now has gotten his team to nine and one and orange bowl champion. I am not saying that his winning at Texas A&M isn't great. Uh, Having played Texas A&M the last, you know, uh, and been prior to Fisher getting there, Texas A&M was no slouch and Texas A&M had a lot of great players and has always had decent recruiting since joining the sec. I don't really know a whole lot about their recruiting prior to that, but they have more money than God. So that has always yeah. helped them. They, so I, I don't think that it's the remake job that that maybe you think it is, but I think he's done great at Texas A&M. And I think that it's hard because you're in the same division as Bama, which is just automatically makes your path incredibly difficult. And, I, and I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I, I My point is, I don't know that I think he gets mentioned in the conversation for the fourth best active. Um, I think that there's... I, mean, I just don't know who... I just don't – I mean, I, I, I'd i have him in the top five. I just don't know who else you'd even put in there. You know, I mean, there's no other active coaches with national championships. Um, right. And, again – Well, that's not true. He, uh, what's his face at uh, LSU has a national championship? Oh, Edo. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm putting him ahead of Edo, you know, but, but either except way, he, I mean, I don't know. You know, for them to be – again, I'm not saying that Texas a was just terrible or anything – but he took a seven and six program, and within they, two I mean, years, they had now a Heisman has a Trophy winner three years before that, which is really the reason that and, they uh, were so good. Um, so I just looked to see like where who is ranked decently high. Um, Gary Patterson is up there. Um, Kurt Ferenz is. Do you think? Do you think Gary Patterson is better than Jimbo Fisher? Straight up, no. 
Um, okay. Kurt Ferenz has done more with and less than Iowa for a million years. So that's an interesting. I mean, he's not better than, but again, um, not better than Jimbo Harbaugh, not better than Jimbo, like any big name you could think of, like not, not better. Than, and this is not the Jimbo Fisher is the Lincoln end all, Riley. I don't know that. I mean, Lincoln Riley is Ryan he's Day. Had three Heisman Trophy winners three years in a row. I mean, he's done a really good job of tr- getting kids to transfer in that were. He's really had a good. really good yeah. job with quarterbacks, and he's done a really good job making the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I think Lincoln Riley. I would take Rink- Lincoln Riley over Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I think that's kind of absurd, but I mean, you could <laughs> you could certainly do that. I mean, you you're taking a coach that is dominating the weakest, well, the second weakest conference uh, that there is. And saying that that's who you take over a guy that just went nine and one in the SEC in the same division as Saban, and has Texas A and M on an upward tra- trajectory, and has a national championship, like recruited and won a national championship. And again, this is not like the end all be all. Jimbo Fisher is the greatest thing that's ever happened. I just think that there's a such a clear number one. There's such a clear. Brian there's Kelly. such a clear behind Jimbo. So, I mean, without a doubt, I just I'm not put up, Brian Kelly maybe top ten. Uh, CBS Sports top twenty five. They have Saban, Sweeney. Three, they have Chris Peterson at Washington. Four, they have Lincoln Riley. Five, they do have Jimbo Fisher. Six, they have Kirby Smart. Seven, Brian Kelly. Eight, Gary Patterson. Nine, David Shaw. And ten, Dave, Dan Mullen. I don't agree with David Shaw at nine. Stanford has been god awful the last couple of years. Um. Yeah, they said he was as high as number six on some people's ballots, which doesn't make any sense to me. Stanford there's has, has such a clear there's such a clear number one, and there's such a clear number two. And I don't think that there's an overwhelming favorite clear number three. Yeah. But I mean, I think Jimbo's right there. Again, I mean, I'm not putting Chris Peterson ahead of Jimbo. I, I mean, understand I, don't think Peterson, I understand I don't the the argument for Lincoln Riley, but he's done a great job with transfer quarterbacks coming in and winning the big 12, but he also walked into a pretty nice situation, right? Like he didn't take Jimbo Fisher took over two, seven and six teams and then brought him back to relevance, right? Texas A&M has been good in the past. So I get it, but hasn't I mean, the back recent relevant. past. It was, it wasn't like it was 20 years ago. It was, eight years ago, right? 2012. And then he got there in 2018. So before that, can you before, do the math on that? 2012 and 2018. That was six years. Yeah. That's what I said. Uh, no, 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 it is not what you said, but I don't think six years is like a huge, massive. I said six uh, years. I was looking right I thought at you it. just said eight years. No. Okay. Well, you'll have to listen oh. back. Maybe I heard you wrong. I thought you said eight years. I might listen, but I meant six, but either way. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I, there's nothing that Lincoln Riley does that makes, especially with, you know, finally when he didn't have a Heisman trophy quarterback transferring in, look at what they did this year, you know, and Jimbo Fisher has molded Kellen Mond into being really good. And they went again, nine and one with some pretty impressive wins. So I don't know. I, yeah, I think, you know, and I hated Jimbo three years ago, like right when he left, because he left us in a total mess and disarray and everything else. But I mean, like I said, the proof's in the pudding, and, and they've been a really good team since he's been there. And uh, 
If they go nine and one again, or, well, they won't go nine and one. But I, what's their schedule look like this year? If they if they go eleven and one this year, they're getting in. You know, like they can take their loss to Saban, but if they go eleven and one, they're they're yeah. in the. Oh, dance. for sure they are. Let's see here. Texas A&M 2021. They start out with Kent State at Colorado, New Mexico at home. Then they play Arkansas, Prairie View A&M. Let's go. At, at LSU, at Missouri, at Old Miss, Alabama at home, Auburn at home, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Yeah, so they get I an mean, easy... doable schedule depending on what LSU, you know, turns out to be essentially. Yeah. So they get the like an easy East opponent. They had a tough East opponent last year, and they get an easy East opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, they have easy two East, Missouri and South Carolina. Yeah, cakewalk through the. I think Ole Miss will give everybody a, a a run for their money. I think that they are built in a way to score so many points that they are going to get into a lot of shootouts with teams just based on the way that they're built. I can see that. Um, I mean, think about how many points they scored on Alabama and their old miss. I just think, I just think it's the way that Lane Kiffin has them designed that they'll probably be in a lot of games because of their offense this year. Yeah. So I don't know, Jimbo. I mean, there's a, there's maybe three games where it's, I don't even know that toss up is the right word, but where it's not a gimme, right? I would say that would be Ole Miss, LSU and Alabama. Yeah, and I mean, I'll even concede the loss to Alabama. And then, you know, essentially if they just, I mean, I'm talking like they go 11-1, and they get in. But if you concede the loss to Alabama and then say they just go 500 and the other two, you take them to 10 wins, right? He's going to the Sugar Uh Bowl. So um, anyway, so yeah, I got Jimbo at three. Lincoln Riley can suck it. (laughs) Um, Lincoln Riley walked into a really good situation. Like if you got Lincoln Riley up there, you might as well keep Ryan Day up there. Um, speaking of good situations, the basketball situation at both programs right now seems to be improving. Not that Florida States was super, super down, uh, but they took two weeks off due to some COVID outbreaks. The NCAA rules for COVID are so asinine. And I, you know, I used to not talk about this on here cause I didn't want to offend people, but I just, I'm over it. If contact tracing is <laughs> stupid go. contact tracing is stupid and the fact that kids have had to sit out games because they've been around somebody is yeah. stupid if you take a t- if if you and i hang out tonight mm-hmm. and tomorrow you get covid you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna go take a test right and if my test is negative i'm gonna keep living my life now if my test right. comes back positive i'm gonna go quarantine and I have no problem with that. I don't want to pass right. it to other people like you selfishly sure. passed it to me. But <laughs> but not just because I just because I saw you doesn't mean that I'm just now gonna so anyway, the NCAA rules for COVID and contract and I somebody is gonna be pissed off in my mentions tomorrow, but I'll just mute him and move on because I'm an adult now. Um and I don't have time. So listen, if you if you DM me this or if you I'm just gonna mute you and move on. So don't even waste your time. Uh, I will not respond. I promise. Um, but he will the, screenshot it and send it to me, though. So just be aware. I'll know. Yeah, haha! Look <laughs> at this idiot. Um, so just the fact that if one person tests positive for the team, you can't just test the other fourteen guys, and if they all come back negative, you're good. Right. You literally just have to sit out, and that's yeah. stupid. Like, just test them. If they come back negative, then they're negative. You know, right. test them every day. So anyway, uh. 
Florida State had to take a couple of weeks off from now that I've offended, you know, a bunch of people. Florida State had to take a couple of weeks off uh, due to this. Dropped out of the rankings, not because they, if you're Ohio State, don't play, you move up. But if right. you're Florida State, don't yeah, play. Yeah, that's kind of um, a crock of shit right there. Whoa, whoa. It's a family show here. Um, but drops Florida State out of the rankings. Florida State comes back and blows the next four teams that they play out of the water and goes from unranked to number 16th overall. Um, so Florida State seems to be improving. I think they're going to make another run. I think they're going to. It's kind of. It's. They're it's, so deep. It's almost and, unfair, though, to say improving because they. it's not like they were not great. They were. They just had to take a COVID break. So, I mean, I, I understand why you're saying that because of the rankings and stuff, but it's really unfair um, for that to even be the situation because it's not. They, they aren't. Imp- well, I mean, they're improving as far as health wise, I guess. No, but- I, I think they're improving in play, too. Like, I think the two like they were winning games closer than they should have. They lost to, to a an OK UCF team. And then they took the two week break and I thought they'd be rusty. Right. And they are just absolutely blowing teams out. Bad. They were bad. So, yeah. So, I mean, I just think I think their play is improving, not necessarily yeah. their ranking, which yeah. is irrelevant. They will be a top three seed. Sure when the tournament rolls around and there'll be another like sneaky pick to get in there. You know, I don't know what will happen with conference tournaments this year. Um, uh, the but SEC you know will that, play. <laughs> well, they're talking about teams sitting out of conference tournaments because when you get the invite to, or, or when you are going to the, to the dance, right? March Madness. Can't think you have to test. This is stupid too. You have to test negative seven days in a row. And if you don't, you're not allowed to go. And I don't know who comes up with these asinine, bass-ackwards thoughts. And the NCAA is so freaking stupid. But why does it matter how you test seven days prior to leaving? Test everyone the day before they leave. And if they're negative, let's go. So literally... If you're leaving on a Sunday and you test positive, you know, negative Monday, negative Tuesday, positive Wednesday, negative the re- I don't even think they do the rest of the test. Like you have to test negative seven straight yeah, days. Is this silly. is the stupidest thing I've ever heard about. So if you're like a seven seed, right? Like Florida's improving, and we'll get to that in a minute. But like if you're like a seven seed in the SEC, like do you want to risk going and traveling? Or do you just want to like yeah, stay home? And, yeah. Like how are you going to improve your stock? So I don't know. They're talking about like what are teams going to do with their conference tournaments because of the asinine rules that are in place. So anyway, I don't know what will happen with the ACC tournament. I, I think that if Florida State goes and plays, I mean, they've got a great shot at winning. You know, the ACC is so terrible this year. UNC is bad. Duke's 500. Coach K's cussing out like student reporters. It's it's just a complete crap show in the ACC minus Florida State and Virginia. Those those two teams are, are pretty good. So um I mean, they'll have a great chance to win it. And if they win the ACC, I mean, they'll probably be a two seed, you know? So, so we'll see Florida also improving, um, as well. Beat Tennessee, uh, last week. Uh, did you see the Gators tweet on Saturday too? And, and so they've won, they've rolled off some wins and are looking better. They're in the other receivings votes now. So like, with two more wins this week could probably get, you know, ranked or just outside of rank. So, so they have Vanderbilt and I believe West Virginia this week. Oh, Um, SEC big 12, always a lot of fun. West Virginia is a fun team. I watched them last night. Um, when like last second win, but, uh, 
that'll be a tough one for Florida for sure. That's a late conference game to play. Yeah, I, I know. When I saw that on the on the ESPN's page, I was like, wait, what? We're in conference play. What is going on? But COVID, so I guess, COVID, you know, I guess it doesn't yeah. make any sense anyway. Well, COVID, like COVID, I, it makes sense because COVID won't spread in out-of-conference basketball true, games. True. It will we spread well. in out-of-conference football games, though. So right. you have to be careful playing football because right. COVID will spread in that. So, so maybe um, we should just play all each other's conference championship games. That way everyone's safe. We should just... Every team should just have a five on five scrimmage every day. And whoever has the smallest difference between their five on five scrimmages, those are the most balanced teams. And that's how we'll rank people. Okay, so like if okay. Florida orange beats Florida blue by three, but Florida state Garnet beats Florida state gold by one, Florida state's a higher ranked team. Got like that's it. how, okay. that's how we should figure it out. Um, so, uh, Florida plays tomorrow at six 30. Yep. Uh, and then Saturday, Against West Virginia, a really good team. They just they they're eleventh ranked now. They will be Saturday as well because another poll doesn't come out. But they just beat uh, the number ten ranked team. Uh, I don't remember who that was, but I did watch it last night. So um, Texas Tech, yeah, beat them by one. So that'll be a tough one for Florida. But if, if the SEC is not very good either. Alabama surprisingly is really, Alabama really good. Alabama surprisingly but- good. Tennessee was good for a while, and then they haven't been good this last week. Yeah. Um, Kentucky sucks. You know, which is kind of weird. Like, I, I believe Alabama is just beating the hell out of Kentucky right now as as we speak, which, you know, Kentucky Alabama basketball being – Alabama basketball rank, being ranked yeah, – Alabama beat Kentucky 70 to 59, just went final. So, for uh, – it's fun to watch. I mean, I don't care if Alabama, you know, does well or poorly in basketball. Like, it doesn't matter to me. But for Kentucky to be bad, like, I enjoy that, so – little bright spot <laughs> there you go a little bright spot for you well you know florida um uh, it almost feels like they're trending just good enough to hang on to mike white for another year hey, he's going hey. to make lots Beautiful. of gator fans cringe um he's he it is kind of surprising to me that florida has hung with him as long as they have um because he just isn't very good. And he's a fabulous recruiter. So wait, let me me backtrack a little bit where I say he's not very good. He's an awesome recruiter, but it doesn't seem like he does anything with the talent that he gets here. And I I mean, what's the point of having it? If it's not going to win you games, it's almost more depressing when you have an abundance of talent and can't pull it together than it is when you have you know, maybe subpar recruiting and maybe play a little bit better than your star ranking told you you should or something Uh, like that's easier. I don't know. It's easier to swallow losing with guys that aren't supposed to be that good than it is losing with guys that are supposed to be the best of the best. I think that, okay, I troll this a lot. And so I'm going to back up because I had a troll for it for a second, but I'm going to, I'm going to be serious for just a minute. There were a lot, a lot of years where, um, let me back up one more time. Florida fans' expectations in basketball are incredibly high because of what the mid to late 2000s looked like. Correct. And Uh, probably starting, honestly, about 99. So, because of Donovan's entire tenure. Because of having just an otherworldly great coach, yes, Florida's expectations are too high, and that's from the fan base, right? Correct. Um, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of years that Florida State fans 
begged for Leonard Hamilton to get yeah. fired because we yeah. would lose games that were inexplicable. Yeah. We weren't making the tournament the way we needed to. Um, our expectations were high and we never even won anything, right? Like it was just yeah. football expectations carrying over, right? Like we're so good in football. So I'm not saying that Mike White is going to turn out to be the answer long-term, but the paths are very similar. It took Hamilton five. They'd always beat somebody they weren't supposed to. They'd upset Duke or they'd upset North Carolina, but then they would lose an, you know, a bunch of inexplicable SEC. Like, and, and Mike White's always done that too, right? Like they'll so, upset Kentucky and then they'll lose a bunch of I SEC think- games. They're not supposed. So all that said, I'm not saying that Florida doesn't need to make a change. I'm not saying that Mike White will pan out to be the next right. Leonard Hamilton or anything like that. But so I think I don't, who do you go get that's just immediately yeah. turning Florida into a winner? And so that I think that's the struggle for the admin is man, if we could just give him one more year and then it breaks through, right? Like and yeah, and maybe you know, he's gonna get a pass this year because it was COVID, his best player's been out and everything right, else. Right. But like Man, like if Johnson stays healthy and Kentucky absolutely sucks, then you're looking at like, man, Florida really could like win the SEC, right? And then if you win the SEC, you're like a five seed, you're a four seed, you know? So, yeah. I mean, if you win the SEC, it's definitely hard to walk away from that coach, even regardless of how you do in the tournament. I think the difference, and I, and I think what you're saying is accurate. Um, I think that Florida State, yeah, probably. Um, was more patient than what Florida will be. And those national championships are probably why. If Florida didn't have the two national championships under Donovan, I think it would be football expectations for basketball and just more about the fans' opinion, the fans wanting him out more so than the administration thinking it's time to make a change. It's just unrealistic expectations. I think winning those two championships makes our fan base uh, even louder. And I think probably will eventually make our administration less patient than Florida States has been. Um, that's not necessarily fair, but it's one of those, you know, when you get the taste of like, of the ultimate success, you, that's all you can chase. And I don't know that it's fair. I think so Florida fans as a whole are terrible. Every sport, Florida fans are terrible. I say that as a, you know, born and bred Gator fan. Awful. Florida fans are awful. Um, but I don't know that I don't think that, that I think that this is unwarranted. I, I'm pretty much on the, we need to look a different direction than Mike White. I don't know who that is. I just feel like Florida isn't going to be any better than mediocre to good under Mike White. I don't see them being a team that can make it past the second round of the tournament with any consistency. Um, with him. And I think that Florida can be better than that. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, it, that's again, where the administration's in a tough spot because. Yeah. And you're right. It probably won't happen this out. year. COVID, everybody gets a pass. And then when you throw Johnson in there and just the crazy things that have happened already this season. Um, and the fact that we don't know what the postseason really will look like. I, I, and I, and I understand and I'm okay with a pass happening this year because of all of that stuff. But if this were a normal year, I still don't think Florida's looking much better. Yeah, probably not. And it's tough because you have these big swings of peaks and valleys and stuff where Florida, you know, say Florida beats Vandy and then upsets 
West Virginia on the road. I mean, you're absolutely riding high there after beating a couple of ranked teams, winning most of your game, you know, whatever, without your best player during a pandemic. And so that buys me more time. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who they go after. Yeah. You know, I mean, it won't be this year, but if they were to make a change. So, you know, I don't know. I don't college coaching, college basketball coaching is so weird too. Like, it's not like, you know, the names are just different, right? Like who's, who are you? I mean, who are you even going after, right? Like who's available for this kind of stuff? Who are you trying to like steal another up and coming from, from a mid major? Like you're not pulling, you know, you're not pulling a, somebody away from like one of the, you know, absolute blue, like, like, where are you going? You know, like, where do you even go for a coach in, in basketball? I mean, obviously the admin knows that I don't, but, um, I don't know. We'll <laughs> Alabama's see. head coach. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I, I understand I the know. point. I don't know. I don't know I where don't you go. I don't know if he's leaving, right. Are you leaving the, are you leaving the program that's humming right now for, uh, a rebuild? You know, I don't know. Not in conference. I wouldn't think, yeah, I don't but, know. um, I'm certainly not. Plus, they probably get some of the some of the football benefits passed on to them. Probably, um, shoot. Uh, speaking of benefits and trouble and stuff, so Tennessee had to bring this up. T- Tennessee got a new athletic director. You know who it is? I do. Are you super excited for it, Danny White from UCF? I'm ex. Well, and all snarkiness completely aside, I think that Danny White is a great athletic director. I think that what he did at UCF was get everybody to talk about them and galvanize their fan base, right? So everybody that went to UCF or was a student at UCF, which UCF is the largest uh, public university in the country, and they've been around a long time. So that's a lot of people, right, that they galvanized together and kind of created an us versus the world attitude for all of those donations, skyrocketed, which is the big part of his job, right? And people were talking about them, not necessarily always positively, but it put UCF on the on the map in that aspect. I think he's great at his job. I think this was a smart hire by Tennessee. Um, if you've noticed the past several years, SEC schools have kind of moved away from the former athlete as the athletic director or the guy that started out in the ticket office as the athletic director. And they've moved towards guys that have more of a financial background. And that's because that's the biggest part of your job. Alabama recently did it. Florida did it. Tennessee just did it. I mean, it is, this is big business, right? So I think this is a great hire from Tennessee's point of view. I just think it's hilarious because one, UCF fans were all up in my mentions the week prior because Duke's athletic director announced that he's retiring, happens to also be Danny White's dad. People were mentioning, would Danny White get offered the job? And lots of UCF fans, and I was saying, like, would Duke offer him the job? I mean, and that doesn't, that wasn't a knock to Danny White, but like, would they? And if they did, of course he's going to take that job. And people are like, his family loves Orlando. He would never make that jump. He's not interested in following his dad's footsteps. He's happy where he is and blah, blah, blah. I think you could argue that Tennessee is a better athletic department to take over than Duke. Maybe the upcoming sanctions 
aside, but I, I think they have a ridiculous amount of money. Obviously, they the alumni base is much larger because the campus itself, the student the, the student count is much higher. Um, they have a lot of history there, but I just think it's really funny that the first SEC school that offered, he jumped, and I'm really wanting to know if he's uh, going to schedule a home and home with UCF. Um, or if he's going to do, I, I, if he can schedule a, a three game home away home with them, I will just die a happy woman. Um, but where I'm going with this TJ is that reports out tonight are that he's looking to hire Josh Heupel from UCF as Tennessee's head coach. Leaving the cupboard dry there, aren't they? Well, I, it is interesting because I would think that there's some unwritten rule that like you don't get to take everybody with you, but he apparently does not care. But this amuses me from multiple angles. One, because it'll make UCF fans cry real tears. Um, two, but because he hasn't been good at UCF. Every year they've gotten worse. He took Frost guys who, you know, the year before were undefeated. And every single season, they've gotten worse when he still has good talent on his team. So I don't think he's a good coach. So I'm totally pumped with Tennessee having a you know him for three or four years. But I guess maybe it's a hard job to fill right now if they're really looking at three years probation. Maybe nobody wants it and he's willing to take a lot of money to be the sacrificial lamb. Um, I mean, possibly. That's kind of where I'm at with other coaches, though, like – I mean, I would probation or not, right? Like it's a job, and so I mean, I'd go get paid. I mean, in the SEC. he's pretty highly paid at, at UCF. I mean, obviously Tennessee can and will pay him more. What is the uh, what? What is being on probation? This is a leading question. What does being on probation mean? So the NCAA has not handed anything down to Tennessee. So we don't know for sure. The only information we have is that Tennessee has self-reported a lot of stuff. So it would be um, potentially a bowl ban and potentially. So that's that's no, so that's no impact. Can't compete for the SEC championship. No impact. Can't compete for Um, the playoff. No impact. (laughs) Two would be, which that's hard. If you, if you're trying to rebuild, right. And they, I mean, their, their whole roster is obliterated right now going to the transfer portal, but they will yeah, lose scholarships. Pretty, it's pretty low impact too, considering the kids it, that would commit to Tennessee. <laughs> like I just think like who's going to Tennessee right now, you know, I cause mean, they can't cheat. So like, I mean, guys do though. I, it's not like more guys are going well, to Tennessee a, than when they're handed a McDonald's bags full of cash. They do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, more guys are going to go to Tennessee than most Power Five places. At sure. least fifty percent of the Power Five places, Tennessee is a better option than that. So it it really hurts a rebuild when you're starting from scratch if you have 10, 15 less scholarships than you, uh, you know, normally would. But I mean, it really totally depends on what's handed down. We don't know. That's why it's kind of a hard job too, though, because you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know what you don't know, right? They can tell you what they've found from their end, and hopefully they're open and honest about what they've found from their investigation. We know they found at least enough for them to self-report, um, you know, cash and things like that. So uh, maybe you can gauge from there, but you don't know, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be tough no matter who has it. 
I mean, it would be tough. I mean, it's going to be tough at Tennessee with or without uh, any kind of sanctions. I mean, right? they have a lot but, of money and good facilities. So with the right person, if they didn't have these sanctions, it shouldn't be that absurd of a rebuild. It's going to be much harder than normal because of uh, the rebuild. I guess maybe depending on who you are, maybe you're pumped that everybody head for the hills because you get to handpick your roster day one instead of having to spend the first two years weeding out the guys that don't buy in. Um, I mean, but, you know, I, know. I, I mean, you say that, but it's just such a tough place to win, right? First of all, the best that Tennessee can ever do, not ever, but in today, ever like in today's day and age, is third best in the in the division. But right? why? Like, why? I mean, why they have all the resource? Why could they not compete with Florida and Georgia? They have all the same resources, if not more. I just don't think that they're that level of program and they haven't been for what 25 years now. I mean, I, th- you know, they I have... mean, they've had those resources for as long as you're talking about. And, yeah. and then their cross division rival is Bama. Like they have, they could have the best year ever. And they have three auto losses on the schedule next year, like auto losses. Like these aren't like, Oh man, if they play really well and, whatever. No, they're losing all three of those games and they've got more auto losses than that. I just haven't looked at their schedule. (laughs) Like, you know, they're just, I just don't think they're that program anymore. Right. Like they had a really nice run in 98 and I, they, you can have all the resources in the world, but I mean, they have, I just don't, I just don't think that they're going to be back on par with Georgia or Tennessee or anybody like that. I mean, they were literally handing kids cash to come to play for them and they still couldn't make a bowl game. Like, they're I just, mean, well, when you're you know, looking, like, you say, I mean, like, we're talking I mean, about a team that ranks 12th all time win loss percentage. They, uh, I mean, this is a team that has eight national championships. I just, most of those I don't were know. before black people were even allowed to play football. So, like, I don't count them, right? Like, you know, can't win titles back in the 20s and expect me to think. I mean, they have one in the since I've been alive. And if you have one title since I've been alive, you're not that program anymore. Okay, well, so they have unclaimed ones in '85 and '89. If that uh... doesn't that does nothing for me. So does UCF. Or does an unclaimed one in '84? Great, Danny White will feel right at home with those. Literally, <laughs> he'll fly banners for those. <laughs> those are going to be claimed very. They soon. have the <laughs> highest home field uh, win record in college football history. They have just the... number just number of wins. Yes, again. They have going back into like how long they've played. I mean, I don't know. Their stadium is incredible. I just feel like they do have the resource to be successful. They've had a ton of NFL talent there. Supposedly Peyton was kind of in on the Danny White hirings. I guess Danny White's family and Peyton's family have some kind of connections there. Um I, I don't know. Peyton's, I just think Peyton's they probably could... the Peyton's probably the most skilled or like uh like Peyton's probably the best pure quarterback to ever play football. Like just quarterback alone. Like I'm not Brady's a better winner. He's got more drive, whatever, but like pure quarterback Peyton's probably the best ever. And that's what it took for Tennessee to be relevant. And they haven't been since then. And they've had all these resources and everything else. They are considered a blue blue blood program in college football. I just think that they could be sleeping, a a sleeping giant. Um, I mean, they're 10 years from relevance. I mean, they're not doing anything within the next 10 years. I don't know. Well, I mean, sanctions sure as heck don't help. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, 
yeah, I just, there's nothing. The other part is that like kids are growing up and like seeing how bad these schools are and they don't want to play there. Right. Like, I mean, you go play if you go, you know, coach, but like nobody's staying home anymore. Right. Like they used to be able to recruit really well, like geographically, but now kids can flip on a TV and see teams all over. And it didn't used to be like that. Like in the nineties, you just, it's it's why Florida is being robbed by Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Ohio state and all those other teams. Uh, the state of Florida has recruits because kids can just, you know, they can be home in two hours on a flight and they can, you know, you don't have to just recruit geographically. And so Tennessee can't even keep the kids in their state and geographical area from going to other places like Memphis out recruits them, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see, but I just am amused. I can't even believe that he's really getting a mention. I mean, maybe that's where they are in their coaching staff or their coaching search and they're that desperate, but it seems kind of wild. You're going to pay a guy as much as they're paying him, which is $1.8 million, which makes Danny white, the fourth highest paid athletic director in the country. Um, but that to pay him $1.8 million to bring his boy from UCF with him. I mean, I think, I mean, who else would they even pick up? Like who would go there? They hired like six coaches before they got Supposedly, to Pruitt. Supposedly they've been interviewing PJ Fleck, um, which That's I think would hire. be a better hire. Um, they are looking at fickle, which would be a better hire. I mean, so maybe these people are saying no, but I mean, honest to God, going to Nebraska and trying to lure Scott Frost, who you're also familiar with, uh, with a lot of money out of Nebraska is not the worst possible, you know, uh, thought process either. But I just, uh, he'd be pretty, what? They would hate him if he left there. <laughs> yeah, they would. Um, I don't know. I just, it's supposedly, um, what's his face from Liberty is interested in the job. Um, I hope he doesn't go there. I mean, I'm I'm fully convinced he will go somewhere, and I'm okay with that. Sure, but, uh, sure, of course he will. Um, but I don't know. Unless all these people are turning them down, um, it seems a weird move right out the gate. But we shall see. But it will be funny because UCF fans will melt, <laughs> which I'm fine with. Which I'm um, totally on on board for. We can wrap up with this. We did some uh, picks last week. We both went one and one. So uh, not a crazy update. You got Tampa Bay right, and I got uh, Kansas City right. So you didn't gain any ground on me. I went 50, I'm went i 56 for 111 or 56 and whatever that math is, 55. Um, literally one game over 500. And you are 54 and – 54 of 111, so 54 and 58. So, does that math work out? No, it's not right, but I'll figure it out later. Um, so I win, because even if you get the Super Bowl right, I, I beat you. So I just had to bring that up. Congratulations. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to get myself a trophy made online and everything and hang it up on my mantle, So, uh, which I don't even have a mantle, so who cares? Um the last thing I have, have you ever, I, I have, uh, what's today? 20, so 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. I have five days left of whole 30. Um, and I am ready to drink bourbon again while we do this. And so, um, it's been crappy just having to drink water and, uh, and talk with you. So I don't know if you have any pile of upside down cake or anything over there, but I'm just sitting here drinking water and I'm drinking water. 
very sober. So anyway, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's about it. Next week we can dive deeper into this Super Bowl and uh, we'll see if anybody's made any coaching hires by then. These programs are under the gun to go ahead and solidify their coaching staff because National Signing Day, but part two is uh, first week in February. Your first week yes. in February. Signing day sucks these days. Yeah, I mean, the, the early like the signing day one. takes away a lot of the magic. But when you're a program where half your roster has hit the transfer portal, you suddenly have some uh, scholarship availability. So it becomes do. a little more important. He has been killing the transfer portal. Um, I, You know, you never know how guys are going to pan out or not, right? And there, he doesn't really have a track. I was going to talk about Norvell. Oh, um, yeah. But he's brought in, got, you know, got sec level guys right like so i don't know that you know he's he's gone after places that don't have coaches anymore right so south carolina um auburn uh brought brought in a four-star from georgia so anyway it'll be interesting to see and then obviously milton at the top of that yeah Um, i mean that's a big the big signing florida dan mullen i i think is fantastic with the transfer portal and florida's landed some guys too so i'm interested to see you know again if they pan out but if you can go 50% on the transfer portal, right? Like, I think that's a good, that's a great. So I think the deal with the transfer portal separate from recruiting is that I think that it's easy to sell 18 year old kids, a line of BS, right? You'll come in and play. Look at all the girls. Look at how cool your light up locker is. We got Nike, you know, all that stuff. I think when you, it's a different beast to sell guys coming out of the transfer portal because they've already been in college programs and they've, you know, the sparkle has kind of worn off for them. And so now they're like, who can actually develop me into, um, you know, a a player that can be successful at the next level. And so I almost think that the first round of recruiting, so to speak, is kind of a reflection on like maybe your personality and your salesman skills and whatever cool swag or cash in a McDonald's bag or what have you that a school can throw. I think out of the transfer portal, it's a lot more about how good of a coach you actually are. Yeah. And I think that you know, it is, I mean, you don't have to sell as hard, like, Hey, come in, we need you to come play. Like you can literally like the kids know where yeah. they're going to play. And well, right? and like, I, it's not hard to sell to that Georgia DB that we got like, Hey, come play. Like we had like four DBs leave, right? Like through right. the transfer portal. Just, like the, the, it's not a hard pitch to tell McKenzie Milton, like, Hey, we don't have a quarterback, like come play. Like he's not dumb. He knows. Right. So like it becomes a little easier. And so guys do want to go where they can play, go somewhere where they believe in the development and things like that. Also, those guys have all been humbled by whatever the circumstances that they faced, whether it's injuries. So they lost their starting role that there just wasn't really an opportunity to win back, or they were sold a line about the system that they would be in and there was a coaching change. Like, I just think that it's easier to sell an 18 year old kid who thinks that they're God's gift. Anyway, all of these guys coming out are the big fish in the small pond from their high school, right? They all think they're immediately coming in. They're immediately starting and they're going to be first round in the NFL. None of these guys think otherwise, these highly recruited guys. So I think that it's a lot harder to sell them on 
listen, I'm a good coach. I can teach you good technique. I can get you to the league. That is not as appealing as come see my waterfall in my locker room. Come see my pictures on the wall with me with rappers uh, that they'll be in the locker room and you'll get to meet them too. Come see all the, you know, Air Force Ones that you're going to get to rock. Like, I really think that junk is more appealing to younger guys. And that's, And I think that there are some coaches, I think Dan Mullen's one of them, that have a hard time selling that stuff sometimes to these 18-year-old guys. But I think that when you get these transfer portal guys like a Mackenzie Milton, uh, Florida signed an Auburn DN, things like that, it is more about like what they've actually watched you do the season before with people like them at their position or what they've watched your team lack and that they know they can bring to the table. Yeah. And that's what it is. A lot of them, you know, you talk about, um, the guys looking for that opportunity now because they realize this is their last shot. Like all yeah. the interviews I've watched with the guys that are transferring into Florida state. And that's what they're saying, right? Like we know this is our, you know, path to maybe get drafted or maybe make the NFL or whatever. And so it's that it's, it's the playing time. It's the, you know, the second chance at, you know, the path to get drafted, obviously it's trusting that the coach can develop you. Right. So, which I really do think is less of a factor for for young guys that it should be in right. their decision so making. The guys that have been around, you know, the the kid that transferred from Georgia. You know, I heard he was just so like Kirby promised him that you won't lose to Florida if you're here, and he was so upset by the loss to Florida this year that he's like, I got to get out of here. I and mean, so can you imagine? Just, like, I'm what an I was going to say, what an idiot if you bought that. <laughs> I mean, you know, if he had seen the last few years, I mean, I get why he would but think it. But I no, have I'm heard from I so many players up. things <laughs> like I was promised playing time or oh, I was told that I was going to be the best cornerback that they had on the roster. And these guys really do buy that line. And if the coach hadn't sold them that line, they probably wouldn't have sided with that team. So you almost can't um, blame a coach for saying what it is that these players want to hear. But I just think the humbling experience of actually playing in a big time college football program makes you a lot more clear headed if you happen to get a chance at another go round. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, most 21, 22 year olds are more level headed than almost all 18 year olds, but yeah, no, especially with the experience that they've had, you know, considering how they've played or where they've played and things like that. So, um, all right, now this time for real. Nothing yeah. else. Nothing We're out else. of here. We're good. Had, had enough talking to you guys. So tune in next week. We'll talk more about the Super Bowl and why Florida should extend Mike White. So we'll see you guys next week. 